Great singing this morning. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Luke, chapter number 10. Luke, chapter number 10. Let's all stand as we read this morning. Luke, chapter number 10. you find your place in Luke chapter number 10, we're going to be, begin reading in uh, verse number 25. Luke 10, verse number 25. We'll read all the way down to verse number 37. And uh, a little bit of a lengthy passage, so I'll read this. And uh, you can just go ahead and follow along. But verse number 25, the Bible says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answering said, A certain man that went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. A familiar story, I'm sure, to most of us in here, or to some of us. But if we would pay attention, if we would open our hearts to whatever God would have to, to tell us this morning, I believe this could not just be a familiar story, but this really could be a helpful story to all of us. And so this morning, for the time that we have, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Fitting the description. Fitting the description. Let's pray together. Father, as we've sung and, and we've given all glory to you, we pray now that you would just meet with us and that you'd speak back to us. We pray that you just, um, from your word, um, be able to show us what you'd have us to see this morning. And um, Lord, that we'd have a great time, um, Lord, as we hear from you. We pray that you'd be with me. Help me as I, as I um, preach, Lord. Help me to, um, to be clear and to help me to say what I should say and what I shouldn't say. And um, Lord, that you just meet with us, that you would just fill these, these pews, really, that you fill this room with your Holy Spirit. And um, Lord, that you'd convict us about anything that we see that we need to change. And so we ask you all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, in our passage today, we see a discussion between Jesus and a man the Bible describes as a certain lawyer. So a discussion. Having a discussion. Not to be confused with the conversation, by the way. You say, discussion, conversation, what's the difference? Well, Conversation is something that you casually have, right? Something that you exchange ideas. It can be a multiple of topics that you can have with a conversation. Like, for instance, if I'm talking to my wife, 
we can go from how was your day to how are you feeling to what's for dinner, <laughs> right? We can have a multiple uh, topics in that conversation. But you know a discussion, normally you have one subject and that one subject, the end goal is for a decision to, 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 to discuss, okay? The, 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 the correct term is the actual process of talking about something in order to reach a decision. So that's what Jesus and this lawyer is doing. They're having a discussion. And here's what we're going to do today. We're going to eavesdrop on this discussion. We're going to eavesdrop. We're going to kind of uh, eavesdrop on this discussion. And uh, some of you are looking at me like, oh, eavesdropping. This is the only time it's going to be acceptable to eavesdrop, okay? I don't know why I said that because I know there's no one in here that eavesdrops, right? Yeah, right. Okay. I'm sure we've all, we can all say that we've eavesdropped on a discussion or a conversation before. So reading a story this week about a group of men that were eavesdropping in a locker room. The story starts off by saying that this group of men, as they're in the locker room, they're kind of changing, you know. And all of a sudden, the cell phone rang. When this cell phone rang, the man that was changing next to the cell phone, he picks it up and he says, hello. And when he did that, before he even said hello, I'm getting ahead of myself, before he said hello, he put it on speaker. And so you can hear that entire locker room just hush. Now he's on, the, he's, on the, he's on the phone and so they're eavesdropping, right? They're eavesdropping. And so the man says, hello, and, and you can hear from the phone, here's a, a lady's voice. Hello? Hi, honey, you at the gym? He says, yeah, I'm at the gym. She says, well, I just went out shopping and I found this beautiful, this beautiful leather coat for just $2,000. Says, honey, can I get it? He says, sure. $2,000, leather coat, whatever you want. She says, okay, well, also I went um, to the dealership. I saw this nice car for $90,000. Can I get it? He said, $90,000, sure, but I want all the options. She said, okay. She says, one last thing. I was talking to my friend Sarah, and um, you know that house that was on the market two years ago that I really wanted? He said, yeah. She said, well, it's back on the market. I said, how much does it cost? She said, well, it's $980,000. He said, okay, offer them $900,000, and they'll probably take it, but if they don't take it, you know, $80,000, that's nothing to make you happy. And she says, okay, well, thank you. I, I just wanted to call you and ask you that. Thank you so much. I, I love you. He says, all right, I love you too. And the men in that locker room eavesdropping, they're thinking, whoa, this guy is loaded. He made $2,000 look like chumps change. And the story ends with, with that guy hanging up that phone, looking at those men in that locker room and saying, does anyone know whose phone this is? <laughs> and you know, those guys, they're probably like, oh, whatever, you're not rich, that's not even your phone, right? That's what they get for eavesdropping. You know, it's never acceptable to eavesdrop, but this morning we're gonna eavesdrop. We're gonna eavesdrop on this discussion. We're gonna have a great time here. Uh, we're gonna see five areas of this discussion this morning, ladies and gentlemen. And so, by way of introduction, I want us to see the prompt for this discussion the prompt for this discussion. Why, why, why is Jesus and this lawyer about to have this discussion in the first place? Well, if you look in verse number 25, the Bible says, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, this lawyer, he tests Jesus. And he tests Jesus by asking a question. He says, how or what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What he's asking is, how do I have eternal life? Well, in verse number 26, you see Jesus responds. Jesus responds not the way that you would think, but he avoids the debate and he says, what do you think? He points to scripture. He says, what does the scripture say? How do you interpret it? You see that right there. What is written in the law? How readest thou? 
You know, the answer, the, the, the lawyer answers in verse number 27, and he quotes the Bible. You see the knowledge of this lawyer. He says in verse number 27, and he answering, saying, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy, thy, and thy neighbor as thyself. So this lawyer, you see his knowledge here, he quotes the Bible. He says, Love God and love your neighbor. Then in verse number 28, you see Jesus confirms the answer is correct. He says in verse number 28, And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. Confirmation of Jesus. Now I got to tell you, that bothered me. Because this guy is asking, how do I have eternal life? When I think of eternal life, I don't know about you, but when I think of eternal life, I think of salvation. He said, how can I have eternal life? And what Jesus just confirmed is that the way you have eternal life is that you love God and you love your neighbor. That bothered me. Because I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's not how you get saved. Loving God and loving your neighbor, that's works. We know in Ephesians, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works. Lest any man should boast. I'm thinking, whoa, I missed something here. And so I said, Jesus, why are you telling this man that that's correct when that's, that's not the case? Did a, I decided, I said, maybe I'm missing something. So let me do, yeah, I'm a Greek book, and uh, let me look at that word there for eternal. So maybe it means something different than what I'm thinking. No, it still means forever. It still means eternal, what you think it means. I said, well, maybe the word live. Maybe the word live there is something. No, it still means to live. It still means to have breath. It still means to, you know, it's talking about souls and stuff. It still means what you think it means. So I said, I'm missing something. So I, you know, I, I say, well, let me go, listen, let me go you know, read some commentaries. Let me hear what other men have said about this. And they do what any um, you know, commentator would do when they, you hate a subject like this. They skipped it. They skipped it. So they talked about everything about this passage except that part. They skipped it. So I said, okay. Two, I, I read two commentaries. They both skipped it. So I said, okay, well, let me go and uh, listen to uh, some message. Some men that I know, is, they're biblically sound, that they would have talked about this. Maybe I, I hear what they say and it'll jumpstart you know, really what's, what's going on. Listen to three messages, they skipped it. No one's talking about this. And I concluded, I don't know if you can piece together time in your mind, but three messages, two commentaries, and Greek book looking at Greek words. It took me four to five hours trying to, trying to answer this question. You know, I finally concluded with either the Bible here has a contradiction and nobody wants to talk about it. Or the answer to my question is so obvious that no one bothers mentioning it. And I know, well, it's not that the Bible is a contradiction. We know that all, all, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. We know that God cannot lie. We know that it sh it, you know, the Bible is without error. It's, it's, you know, it's, it can't be. So I thought, okay, I'm missing something. So I said, okay. So I had a conversation with myself. I said, self, I'm going to say this and maybe something will jumpstart. So I said, self, how you have eternal life is that you love God and you love your neighbor. Nothing. So I said, self, listen to me. You need to get this. You're preaching on Sunday. You need to get this. How you have eternal life is that you love God and you love your neighbor. Nothing. I said, okay, one more time. Third, charm, third time's a charm, right? So I said, self, listen to me. Last time. How you have eternal life is that you love God and you love your neighbor. And then I stopped myself and I said, no, but what about salvation? And then it clicked. And this self that I've been trying to talk to, this inner self, he responded. And he said, you dummy, 
You cannot love God and you cannot love your neighbor if you are not saved. And I thought, duh. Okay. And you think about this lawyer. This lawyer, he was paid to know the law. So it's not that this lawyer doesn't know the law. He knows the law. He knows most likely how you get saved. But he's testing Jesus. And so really my question then is, what is he actually asking? Well, here's what I came up with. This lawyer's asking, not how can I live eternally, but rather, how can I eternally live? Speaking not to a duration of life, but a quality of life. A life that only God can give, and a life that God can give right now. You know, really, whether a person's saved or not, they're going to live for eternity. They're going to live. Now, they may not live in heaven, right? But they're going to live for the rest of eternity. And so what is he saying? For the rest of my eternity. How can I live? How can I live? And he says, love God and love your neighbor. And then what does Jesus confirm in verse number 28? He says, thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. He doesn't say thou shalt have eternal life. He says thou shalt live. So the prompt of this discussion is that this man wants to know, how can I live? How can I live? And I think that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves today. How can I live? The life that you have for me right now, that's available right now, how can I live that life? Well, then we see the point of this discussion. The point of this discussion. Well, this lawyer tries to justify himself when Jesus says, that's what you do. You love God and you love your neighbor, right? So then we see the point of the discussion comes in place. He says, this lawyer, he's probably thinking, okay, well, I, I know I love God, but my neighbor, huh? I don't know about that one. I don't know about that one. So trying to justify himself in verse number 29, the Bible says, he says, who is my neighbor? And really what he's asking Jesus is, am I a good neighbor? Because I, I, I think I love God, but do I love my neighbor? That word neighbor translates to any other person or, according to Christ, any other man, regardless of nation or religion with whom we live or whom we meet. So what, really what that word neighbor is, is saying, anyone, any other man, regardless of what they believe, where they're from, or where they live, that is your neighbor. Every single person on planet Earth is your neighbor. So he says, love thy neighbor. Love every single person on planet Earth as thyself. That's a struggle, isn't it? That's a struggle. Because loving everyone, we all know that there are some people that, man, they make that extremely hard, right? You know what I'm talking about. But the Bible says, love them as thyself. When I think about this concept, loving your neighbor, a name comes to mind that will probably haunt me for the rest of my life. The name Keanu Knowles. I'll tell you about Keanu. Keanu was not a bad guy, but he was this kid that came to my, my school around my uh, uh, sophomore, junior year of, of high school. And um, he wasn't a bad guy, but he just kind of kept himself, just kind of quiet, didn't really mess with anyone, didn't really talk to anyone. And so one day I decided I'm going to go talk to this guy. And so I went up to him and I said, hey, how's it going? And he's, 
You know, it was just kind of hard. It was like pulling teeth. It was just really hard to talk to him. He was just socially awkward. It was just really kind of hard. It's was, uh, not getting anywhere. So I just, uh, just kind of left and uh, didn't really get anywhere with that. Well, the next day, man, did I regret that. The next day, you could tell he had, he had met his best friend. He came up to me, hey, Trayvon. And he's, you know, he's buddy-buddy with me. And I'm thinking, oh. Oh, what did I do? This dude, he's weird. He's awkward. Like, I don't want to deal with him, you know? Teenagers, right? Man. And so I, I don't want to deal with that. But you know, I found out later that Keanu had a really rough home life. And uh, really, he had a really rough life, I would say. He bounced around from school to school. And his home life didn't make it any better. He was, he was the, the older brother of, of four. And uh, his, he was in a single parent home, his, just his mom. And his mom loved his other brothers more than, more than you know, she showed that love more, than, more to them than to him. He's really struggling. I look back at that and I think to myself, you did not love your neighbor. Because the Bible does not just says to the lovable. The Bible says to everyone. Our neighbor, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he's talking about. And so this lawyer, he's, he says, God, who is my neighbor? Well, then Jesus says, okay, we see a problem in this discussion. Jesus says, okay, let me tell you a parable, and I'm going to give you three different types of neighbors, depending on which one you identify with, will answer if you are a good neighbor. Three parables. So Jesus says, here are three different types of neighbor. He said, here's the first one. He says, you want to know if you are a good neighbor? Let me know if you identify with this person. He says, the first neighbor in verse number 30, he says, And Jesus answering and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. The first type of neighbor that you see here in this story is those that hurt people. Those that hurt people. You see these thieves. The Bible says that they robbed, beat him, and then they abandoned him. Now, I wouldn't say that. I'm ghetto, okay, <laughs> the, teens, the, teens, the teens know why I said that, right? But I wouldn't say that I'm ghetto, but I will say, okay, I, I know what it's like to grow up in a rougher part of town. I know what it's like to, to I, I guess you could say I grew up in, in the ghetto, in a rougher part of town, so I've seen violence. I know what it's like to see violence. Praise the Lord, I'm not a product of violence, okay, but I, I know what it's like to see violence. Here's what I don't understand. Whenever I've seen a robbery, and I've seen a robbery in person before, that wasn't me, but I've seen it in person, right? And uh, whenever I've seen a robbery, here's what I don't understand. In this passage, why did they rob him and then beat him? Whenever I've seen any kind of robbery, a person gets beaten and then they get robbed. Why did they rob him and then beat, beat him? Because Jesus is giving a description of this neighbor. It wasn't that they just wanted his money. They didn't just want to hurt him financially. They wanted to hurt him physically. Because they, that description of the neighbor there, are those that hurt people. Those that hurt people, meaning financially, meaning even spiritually, mentally. Those that hurt people. He says, that's your first type of neighbor. Do you fit this description? Because if you do, you are not a good neighbor. Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit this description? Because if we do, we are not a good neighbor. Do you, are you someone that hurt people? Then he says, that's your first description. He says your second description, you have first of all those that hurt people, and your second description is those who ignore hurt people. Those who ignore hurt people. You see that in verse number 31. He says, and by chance there came down a certain priest that way. 
And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So Jesus then says, look at this priest. He saw the need and then he passed by. Those who ignore hurt people. Do you fit the description? Do you ignore? Do you see a brother or sister in need and ignore that need? Do you ignore? Do you ignore hurt people? And then he says even further than that in verse number 32. He says, and likewise a Levite. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. So it's not enough that this priest he saw and he passed by. The Levite went even further. He saw... He went to him, acknowledged, and then passed by on the other side. You know what he's saying? He's saying there are some people that will see their brother and sister in need or in hurt. And they will acknowledge that. And they will even go as far as to say, hey, what's your need? Oh, that's what you need? Okay. And pass by. He says there are those that hurt people. But then there are those that ignore hurt people. Do you fit the description? He's asking his lawyer, do you fit the description? Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit the description? Because we can say, oh, I don't hurt people, but do you ignore hurt people? Do you fit the description? And then we see the peak to this discussion. He says, your first neighbor, those who hurt people. Your second neighbor, those who ignore hurt people. You know what is a very underrated thing about stories? Prepositions. Prepositions make or break a story. Because up until this point, you've heard and, 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 and. And then you get to verse number 33 and you see but. And that changed the whole story, didn't it? Because Jesus is saying the bad thing is there are bad neighbors. There are, you have those that hurt people. You have those that ignore hurt people. But there is some, there is a highlight to all of this. There is the good neighbor. The one that you want to identify with, the good neighbor. And who is that? Our good Samaritan, isn't he? The good neighbor. Those who help hurt people, he says. Do you identify with this man? Because I got to tell you, if you identify with him, you are a good neighbor. And so we see here, the Bible gives a description of a good neighbor this morning. And the question we have to ask is, do we fit this description? Do we fit this description? And so if you're taking notes this morning... I want, to give us, uh, I want us to look at three exemplifying characteristics of a good neighbor. Three exemplifying characteristics of a good neighbor. If you're taking notes this morning, Jesus says, first of all, here's your first neighbor, those that hurt people. Second of all, here's your second, here's your second neighbor, those who ignore those hurt people. But the third neighbor, the good neighbor, the one that you want to be like, here's the description of that neighbor. Tell me if you identify with this man. Number one, those who help people are compassionate. He said their compassion, look in verse number 33. He said, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Compassion, that word compassion means sympathetic pity and concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. Compassion. He says, so yes, you might think that you're a good neighbor, but if you identify with those that hurt people or those that ignore hurt people, you're not a good neighbor. And if you think that you are a good neighbor and you think you identify with those who help people, let me know if you are compassionate. Are we compassionate today? Do we fit this description? People need us to have compassion on them. I think about Keanu, the guy I was talking about. He needed me to have compassion on him. And you know, I think if I had compassion on him, I probably would have gone a, lot, a long way within his life. 
Probably. But we need to be asking ourselves, do we have compassion? And so who is it really that we show compassion to? Well, the Samaritan inside our, our passage today. We see, first of all, he had compassion to someone that needed him. And this morning, ladies and gentlemen, we need to have compassion on those that need us. Compassion on those that need us. In verse number 34, the Bible says, and he went to him. He went to him. He had compassion on him. Those that need us. That guy needed him. And so he went to him. You know, in Lamentations, the Bible says, is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Jude 22, of some having compassion, making a difference. Is it nothing to us, all them that pass by? Or that we pass by? And not have compassion? Where's the compassion? Where's the, the sympathy, the concern for others? He says he's compassionate, this guy, is compassionate to those that need him. And ladies and gentlemen, he's compassionate to those that hate him. And we need to be compassionate to those that hate us. Compassionate to those that hate us. Those that hate us. Who's that? Well, our enemies. The Bible says, but I say unto you, which here love your enemies, do good to them which hate you. Bless them that curse you and pray for them which despitefully use you. Have compassion on your enemies. You know, in this story, when you think about the times of that day, you know the Jews hated Samaritans. But in our story, the Samaritan is helping a Jew. Someone that society would deem hates him, he's having compassion on. Do we have that type of compassion today? Do we have that kind of compassion today? In order for us to even be considered a good neighbor, we have to first of all have compassion. Do we fit this description? Do we have compassion? Not just to the ones that we love, that make it easy for us to love, but do we have compassion on those that need us and even those that hate us? Everyone. Do we have compassion? This Samaritan had compassion. And so Jesus says, your first neighbor, those that hurt people, those that ignore hurt people, and then those that help people, they are compassionate. You know another description he says? He said they're also sacrificial. They're sacrificial. In verse number four, when the Bible says, and went to him, you know what I think? You know what I think about when I think about this story? That road from Jerusalem to Jericho, that was not a road that you just casually hung out on. That was a road for journey. You know what that meant? This Samaritan had places to go. Well, what did he do? He didn't pass by. He didn't just say, oh, I ain't got time for that. I, I have places to go. What does the Bible say? He went to him, sacrificed his time. Are we willing to sacrifice of our time? Or do we say, ah, oh, no, I don't have time for that. I got to go home and then go home and watch TV. Oh, I got to go home and then go home and just eat dinner. Oh, I got to go home and just, just go home and just kind of just loaf around. There are people that need us and need us to be sacrificial of our time. Do we fit the description this morning? Do we fit the description? Sacrificial of his time. You know, the Bible says, Wherever sh uh, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him, twain. If someone needs you, go with him, help him. Sacrificial of his time. But you know, the Samaritan was also sacrificial of his resources. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be sacrificial of our resources or with our resources. In verse number uh, 34, the Bible says, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine. Whose oil and wine do you think it was? And set him on his own beast. Whose beast do you think it was? Sacrificed his resources to help this man. Someone that needed him and someone that hated him. 
scale sacrificial. Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit the description? Because before we can even think about being a good neighbor, we have to ask ourselves, are we compassionate and are we sacrificial? Jesus says, you have your, your, your three people, those that hurt people, those who ignore hurt people, and then those that help hurt people. And those that help hurt people, if you want to identify with this guy, you have to ask yourself, are you compassionate? Are you sacrificial? And then lastly, are you generous? Are you generous? In verse number 35, the Bible says, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave. Samaritan was giving, wasn't he? Was generous. Was a giving guy. For generous means showing a readiness to give more of something. Look at this, as money or, or time, than is strictly necessary or expected. Samaritan was generous, and Jesus is saying, You want to be considered a good neighbor, you have to be generous. And what was this Samaritan generous towards that we need to really think that we need to be generous towards? Well, I see, first of all, the Samaritan was generous toward current needs. Toward current needs. Look in verse number 35. The Bible says, And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host, paying for the night that he spent in that inn. Paying for the current need. Paying for the current need. Bible says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. It's not about saying, what can I do or, or what do I need, but what does your brother need? How can you help your brother? Are you generous this morning? Samaritan was generous toward current needs, but he's also generous toward future needs. You, you read the rest of that verse and what does it say? And he said unto him, take care of him and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again. Future. I will repay thee. Taking care, generous, of future needs, current needs and future needs. Jesus is telling the Samaritan, he's, he's telling his lawyer, he says, look, you want to be, you want to ask if you're a good neighbor, you want to know who your neighbor is, you want to know who's a good neighbor? He says, I'll tell you of three types of neighbor. You let me know who you identify with. Number one, those that hurt people, do you hurt people? Number two, those that ignore hurt people, do you ignore hurt people? Or number three, do you help hurt people? Because that. That's your good neighbor. That's the one you want to identify with. But you got to ask yourself, do you fit the description? Do you fit the description? Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit the description? Are we, are we uh, compassionate this morning? Are we sacrificial? Are we generous? Do we fit the description? Because the Bible gives a description for a good neighbor here in this passage. Do we fit the description? If we can identify with the Samaritan, then we can truly say we fit the description of a good neighbor. We are a good neighbor. If we are compassionate, if we are sacrificial, if we can be generous, I think we can truly say that we, we perhaps are a good neighbor. But the fact is, do we fit the description? You know, I know someone without a shadow of a doubt that fits this description. You want to know who it is? You want to know who it is? It's the person that said in verse number 37, go and do thou likewise. In verse number 36, Jesus says unto this lawyer, now, which one of these three, now that I've given you the description of these three types of neighbors, which one of these three thinkest was neighbor unto him that fell among three? He said, who do you think is the good neighbor? And the lawyer said, and he, and he said, he that showed mercy on him, speaking of the good Samaritan. And then Jesus says, go and do thou likewise. Jesus commissioned him and said, go, and when you go, he gave him a command, do that. Be a good neighbor. Jesus could tell us to go and be a good neighbor because he was the ultimate good neighbor. 
the ultimate good neighbor. Let me illustrate this for you. Jesus had compassion on me. Jesus had compassion on you. Did he not? He had compassion on every last one of us in here. He had compassion to someone that needed him. I sure needed him. I was lost on my way to a place called hell. And I needed him. He had compassion. He had pity and sympathy on someone that needed him. Me. Compassion on someone that needed him, but someone that also hated him. You know, I think it's the very most interesting thing about God is that he loves a world that will never love him back. For God so loved the world. Classic John 3 and 16. Compassionate to those that hate him. Jesus had compassion. He's the ultimate neighbor. Sacrificial, wasn't he? Sacrificial. Sacrificial of his time. You say, well, when was he sacrificial of his time? Oh, yeah? How long did it take him to get to Calvary? 33 years. Lived. Born of a virgin. Lived. Lived this entire life with one goal in mind. To redeem me and to redeem you. Sacrificial, wasn't he? Sacrificial of his time, but sacrificial of his resources. He said, oh yeah, when did Jesus ever gave something? <laughs> oh yeah? What about his blood? What about his body that was broken for me and you? I don't know about you, but money cannot buy a body or blood. I mean, I guess you can say it can buy blood, but you know what I'm saying. The ultimate resources he sacrificed. He was sacrificial. He was compassionate. And you know what? He was generous, wasn't he? He was generous. Generous toward a current need. I think about when I got saved, Jesus understood. You cannot talk to God. You are separated. Your sin has separated you from your God. You cannot worship him. You cannot love him. You cannot talk to him. And Jesus fulfilled a current need when I got saved. In that now I can fellowship with my father. A current need. Oh man, but what about the future need? The fact that one day when I die, I will be able to go to heaven in the future. A future need. The ultimate neighbor, Jesus Christ. And so if it is not enough for you this morning to say, oh well, I want to be a good neighbor because the Bible commands me. Let me, let me, let me um, tell you something. As a Christian, the word Christian means to be Christ-like, does it not? And you are never more Christ-like when you are a good neighbor. And so Jesus has all authority to tell this guy, hey, be a good neighbor. Do you fit the description? Are you compassionate? Are you sacrificial? Are you generous? Be a good neighbor. Who do you identify with? Do you fit the description? His name. Keanu Knowles is going to be with me for the rest of my life. Let me tell you why. Went to college in 2013. And now when I went to college, I never, I never went back home. I, I stayed in college, uh, or at least I stayed in America for the entire five years that I was at college. I, I stayed there. And before I left, Keanu was, was just in and out of church. He wasn't faithful, but he wasn't out of church completely. He was just, he'd come every once in a while. He was, that's just how he was. Well, in 2018, I went back to the Bahamas after I graduated and uh, kind of getting reacquainted with the folks there in the church right before I came here at Victory. And I spoke with my old high school teacher's name was Mr. Roll. And uh, Mr. Roll said, you hear what happened about Keanu? I said, no, Keanu, what happened to him? 
said, well, didn't do so good. I said, yeah, yeah, I haven't seen him in church. Does he come to church at least like every so often? He says, no, he probably, he probably, I haven't seen him probably since you went, or he hasn't come to church since you went off to college in 2013. I thought, wow. He says, yeah, it's not the worst part. He said, over the years, he got mixed up in some bad friends, which was just mixed up in the wrong crowd. And uh, one day he went, just had a smoke with these friends. And I don't know if you get this term this morning, but he told me that the guys that he was smoking with, they laced the thing that he was smoking. And when he took that, destroyed his brains. I thought, wow. Mr. Rolls said, yeah, I saw him the other day. It's true. I, I've seen it. I drove by. He's, he's now in a mental hospital in the Bahamas. He said, I, I drove by and I saw him. And when he saw me, I was surprised because he recognized me. He said, hey, it's Mr. Roll. He said, guys, he said, he said guys, look, this, this is Mr. Roll I've been telling you about. He said, Mr. Roll, I've been telling my friends about you guys. This is Mr. Roll. And Mr. Roll said, Trevon, he's telling me this story. He says, Trevon, there was no one there. He said, he's saying, guys, this is my friend, Mr. Roll. And he's pointing to no one. There's no one there. He said, he's, he's gone. It's, it's insane. He's crazy. I think about that story and I think to myself, if only I was a good neighbor to him. I'm by no means saying that it is my fault that happened to him. He had his choices. I'm sure you can understand that. But if I was a good neighbor to him, I wonder how far that could have gone. And the name Keanu Knowles is going to be with me forever. Because I, I can't do anything about that. He's in the Bahamas. I'm in America. He's in the mental um, um, institute. I can't get to him. His, his mind's gone. What if someone was a neighbor to him, had compassion on him, was sacrificial of their time and their resources? And what if someone was generous towards the current needs that he had and even the future needs that he had? And be with me forever. Ladies and gentlemen, are you a good neighbor this morning? Are you a good neighbor this morning? I'm praying about this message. I said, God, these messages you're allowing me to preach, I love the opportunity to preach, but these are hitting a little bit too close to home. I said, God, what are you trying to do? Holy Spirit just kind of working in my, in my heart. He says, I need you and the people at Victory Baptist Church to get back to the basics. Get back to the basics of loving God and loving other people. Get back to the basics. Because COVID-19, we all understand COVID-19 has been uncomfortable, it's been hard, it's been unpredictable. But ladies and gentlemen, COVID-19 has now been here for five months. And God, it's like God is trying to tell us, hey, get back to the basics and get out of survival mode and get into thriving mode. Get back to loving God. Get back to loving your neighbor. Stop trying to just survive. I think we get it by now. <laughs> Wear a mask. Wash your hands. Don't touch everything. Socially distant. I think we get it by now. But what about the other part? God is trying to tell us, hey, there are people that need you now more than ever. This is not a time for you to hide inside your house and just say, okay, well, I'm trying to survive. You're trying to survive for five months? Now, I'm not saying, hey, let's go out to Walmart, let's, let's get them. I'm not saying that. 
We need to get back to the basics. Love God and love our neighbor. And this, this, this lawyer, Jesus, he, he's asking Jesus how, Jesus, how can I live? Jesus says, you love God and love your neighbor. He said, well, what, who's my neighbor? He says, well, here's your description. Those, you're, you're, there's three types of neighbors. Those that hurt people. Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit that description? Do we hurt people? You see, those, those, those thieves, they weren't just thieves. They hurt people mentally, physically, emotionally, financially. Do you hurt people? He says, do, are you, are, do, you, do, you, do you ignore hurt people? Do you see that need and you just pass them by? Or are you a good neighbor and you're compassionate, you're sacrificial? Are you generous? He says, do you fit the description? Ladies and gentlemen, do we fit the description? Ladies and gentlemen, this is why we come to church. We come to church to hear a message like this, a passage like this. And if we do not fit the description, ladies and gentlemen, the altar is here. The altar is here. That is why the altar is here. I used to think, oh, well, my seat's just as fine, but no. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen, the altar is here. You know, when you get up out of your seat and you humble yourself and you come down here, first of all, you're humbling yourself to God, but you're also humbling yourself before your brothers and sisters in Christ. We can get into the place where, we, oh, well, my seat, my seat, I, I can just pray here. That's fine. Humble yourself and come to this altar because really, really, that's how your brother and sister will know to pray for you also, God will see that humility and begin to do a good work in you. Do you fit the description? If you don't, ladies and gentlemen, the altar is open. Get things right with God this morning. Be compassionate. Be sacrificial. Be generous. Ladies and gentlemen, be a good neighbor.